This is Speaking of Sports, a weekly podcast where we give you our take on sports' biggest stories and news. I'm your host, Ray Scipione, along with Coach Al Harris, Chad the Whiz Kid Grimley, and the Godfather, Chuck Grimley. Speaking of Sports is sponsored by Grimley Financial and produced by wildfirepodcast.com. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. We are back here. It is Chad the Wiz Kid, Coach Al, and the Godfather Chuck here on the show today. We have a jam packed show with some awesome content. With a 45 minute heart stop, right? 45 minutes. Yeah, before we begin, if you haven't, please like, subscribe the show. Uh, we want the followers, you know, just check us out. If you haven't, and subscribe, why not? And you'll get notifications as all the new stuff comes on. So uh, let's dive into it here today. We have to start with the, the hottest thing in Philadelphia right now, and that's the Philadelphia Phillies. Last week on the show, if you missed it, Coach Allen and I were interviewing Larry Boa, and in the middle of the interview, Girardi got fired. That was just, I mean, we knew it could be coming, but did we ever think it would happen on the actual show live with Bo? No. It was absolutely shocking to happen at that, at that exact moment. And since then, though, the Phillies, well, they're undefeated. Team's currently on a seven-game winning streak. They are back-to-back series sweeps, and they're finally playing like they have some serious life in them. So, Coach Al, I'll start with you. What are you thinking? What's going on with these Phillies right now? Well, I guess you got to go back to the old story. You fire one person, you can't fire 25. But I think, and everybody's saying they look like they're having a lot more fun. Well, breeding makes fun. But I think you can definitely notice a difference there, maybe your respect and the Thompson being a lifer and so forth. And it, a lot of things fell into place. Now, we discussed before about their best leadoff hitter being Segura. Now, he goes down. Maton comes up, gets in a little bit. He goes down. And then Camargo goes down. So it really gave a nice shot where Stott knew he was going to play every day. And Didi comes back at the right time. He's played very well. Bohm knows he's going to be at third base, and you're going to maybe do your platooning in center field. And, and the, we've talked before that the front-line pitching has been fantastic. And a little bit of guys like Nola going eight innings and stuff like that certainly helps your bullpen. So it's a, it's a great attitude right now, and they certainly need it. And they're talking about maybe 35,000, 40,000 fans tonight. So it's, we'll see how it plays out. It's not supposed to look that automatic. Uh, you just don't push a button and start winning and, and delivering key hits uh, and, and pitching better. I mean, the pitching's been good. This is really remarkable what has happened. Uh, it defies logic. I I'm not sure the Phillies players themselves uh, can can qualify this. What they will tell you is it's a, it's a looser clubhouse. They're getting along and having more fun. And that's always a template for winning. Um, and obviously there was issues with Girardi. That, that's very obvious. However, what, I mean, if you take a look back at the 33-game schedule that we talked about uh, that started right after the Rangers' two games, it, it looked like it could be a disaster and, in fact, was a disaster <laughs> until seven games ago. So, you know, they fall out of the hunt by what was it, you know, ten and a half games, something like that, and below 500 by seven or eight. 
and all of a sudden, remarkably, you know, pull off seven straight, reverse all that, and end the 33-game stretch. By the way, the toughest stretch in Philadelphia Phillies schedule history. They just completed two games over 500. Now, if you want to look at that body of work and say if the Phillies can go plus two in that 33-game stretch, that's 33 games. Now, that's a long time. That's not two weeks of, of tough opponents. You know, you had everybody in that mix, and they two games over 500, and, and they blew a lot of games in there with the bullpen. Remember the 5-4 losses, the 8-7 losses where they had leads in the ninth inning. So that's impressive, and now they get the easier part of the schedule with better pitching, including the bullpen suddenly. It looks like you got a closer, a legit closer out there, and uh, Domingo, what's his? Uh, Sir Anthony. Uh, Sir Anthony, yeah. I mean, he fire, He just throws bullets, that guy. And if he has control, his hits per nine innings, strikeout per nine innings is just ridiculous. And uh, now, all of a sudden, you know, my least favorite guy, we're hitting, it's June. Can we get back the losses we have because he didn't hit earlier? I mean, it's crazy. You know, but he's famous for hitting, now they're saying, swarm bombs in, yeah. in the month of June and everything. But I mean, yeah. he's on fire right now. I mean, credit where credit's due. I yeah. know we've, I've, yeah. I've been very uh, – no, not anti-Schwarber, but really anti-leadoff Schwarber. But he certainly stepped up this past week in that leadoff spot. I think he's been there all week. And he's had a just tremendous, tremendous week. And uh, really past couple weeks, like two weeks or so. It's just crazy. This time last week we were sitting here looking at the Phillies saying this team is is probably done. And then they go out and they win seven straight games. Now they're sitting here at 28 and 29. Playoffs are, are absolutely still attainable at this point. Yeah. If they play... You know, 10 games over 500 the rest of the year. They can get there. We said last year the Phillies have to play seven game, uh, sorry, 20 games over 500 the rest of the season to make the playoffs. Well, they just did seven of those. They just got seven right off the board in one week. Now, can they play 10, maybe 13 games five, over 500 the rest of the year? Yeah, it's, it's way more possible now after a huge streak like this. And, um, I mean, clearly... Girardi being out was just just motivated the players. They're playing like they they're loose, they're fun, they're they're energized. They have some comeback wins in there, and just watching yesterday's game, they come up in in, in the eighth and ninth inning. Oduble, Harper, they're just smacking home runs. Well, I mean, it's impressive. That's the key, bud. You start to add run production in spots in the lineup where it used to be no run production. I mean, Herrera is staying hot, you know, contributing to that. The younger players now are getting in the lineup and contributing. Didi comes back. Obviously, is that sustainable with him? Probably not, but for now, he's hot as heck. So, you know, if, I think I read this morning where 7, 8, 9 have the highest run production the last 7 or 10 games in baseball. Well, if you add that to another MVP year by Harper and the rest of the gang, you know, you're going to be over five runs, and there's only four teams right now plus five runs production per game. That's a winning number when you get over five. I think they're 4.96 this morning. Um, and they're and they're pitching. As that gets to five, and that's very hard to achieve. I think they've done it twice. The pitching ERA for the first time since I've been tracking it is below four. So, man, you got the batting averages and all the runs going up good, and you got the pitching ERAs coming down. That's a good combination. So. No, it's amazing, too. You're getting help from areas that you didn't expect to, and every day it can be someone else. You can have Ryamoto go 0 for 4 or 0 for 5 and maybe 
one or two other guys, but all of a sudden you're getting three and four hits from people that you didn't. And it's the way it's going now. It's like tough to figure, but and you start catching the ball, right? Yeah. All, all, all of a sudden, uh, when you watch the games, and I I can't honestly say I watched all that that game yesterday, which is. Brutal. I put all four hours in. Yeah, did you really? <laughs> yes, I, I, I did. was flipping back and forth between work and, and two other things, and every time I turned back, the inning counter wasn't moving. It was still the third inning, and then it was the fourth inning when I thought it was the seventh inning. Uh, I text one of my buddies and said, "How slow is this game moving?" You know, but it doesn't look like they're getting the tough chances. The pitching gets a little bit better, whatever. You know, the balls in play type thing. But it doesn't seem like all of a sudden they're getting that same type of tough chances on defense they were before. Maybe that's just fake, well, too. Yeah, and you're getting some breaks now, which seem to be going against you. The same situation two weeks ago. You know, DD just took the bat out. Boom, it's down the left field line great for example. a double. Things yeah, like great, that. Great yeah. example. Good example yeah. of the anti-shift there, uh, as, as you're making there, Coach oh, Al. I've been watching, yeah. and your, your theory is 100% correct. I've looked at the hits that have happened because of the shifts and now the chat has done that research you know you, you're cognizant you look for it and i'm like well that would have been an out in a normal defense and that's a hit with the shift uh i, I think you're onto something there but we, we got to yeah, wake we'll up major league baseball and so we're going to have a a guest calling it at 10 20 knowing mark he's going to be very very yeah punctual yeah we're gonna have a guest be calling in here um and just before we do so we can maybe just touch on the eagles and flyers real quick and if he calls in you know we'll stop it yeah there's not much going on for the eagles <laughs> or flyers this long. week yeah i think we can probably do it a minute in each one so uh coach why don't you start us off with the uh flyers the head coach update what's going on oh all of a sudden this gentleman named cassidy who had six winning seasons in a row with the boston bruins i let him go went to the playoffs six years in a row so now he's in the hunt and you're still going to wait till the playoffs to be done. So I don't think you're going to see uh, anything for at least a, a month or so after they view quite a bit of can, you know, candidates. Tortorella we talked about last week where you're recycled. It's that type of thing. So I don't think it's any decision that has to be made right away. And, uh, and whoever gets it is not inheriting a lot of talent. So... Uh, We'll have to see. The Flyers, you know, the Flyers are great. Have a great fan base in Philadelphia and so forth. They so. do. They do. They did, have. They have. They do. Did they sure. still sell out last year? Oh, that seventeen thousand no. number down there. Well, it was a type of thing. Different. Maybe the seats are bought, but right, you know, right. you, you didn't have bodies in them. No. Yeah. All right, we got a guest on the line here. We got one of our fans for the Speaking of Sports. We got Mark from Pennsylvania calling in today. Mark, how are you today? Good morning. How you doing? Good. What's up, bud? Hello, Mark. How are you, Chuck? How are you? This is Coach Al to my right. You can't see him. He's a good-looking guy. And, <laughs> I'm sure he's a good-looking guy. And the, the darker it gets, the better-looking <laughs> I am. <laughs> and the whiz kid to my uh, my left, uh, Ray's not, not here today. Uh, okay. That's work conflicts, but uh, how you doing, buddy? I know you're down I'm going, Cape May, right, for uh, some vacation. No, we're back home now. Okay. We're back home now, near Harrisburg. How how was Cape May? Uh, Cape May was great. It was actually pretty low key for being Memorial Day. It wasn't as crazy as I thought, which was good for having a young family. So 
no shenanigans and craziness. Yeah, yeah. Did you sing on the way to Cape May? On the way to Cape May. <laughs> you know what? We absolutely did. As soon as we went over, as soon as we went over the bridge from Philly into uh, towards Atlantic City, my my wife grew up going to Cape May, so That's she cute. started singing, and and my son Jack and I started singing too. So it was actually fun. So we have you pegged right now as our number one podcast uh, fan. Is that's true? I think. What do you think? That, I would think so. That is true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I think you guys are great. I really do. I'm not trying to pump your tires, but I really do. I mean, you guys you know, are so great. You know, we love hearing about us. So tell us what you like about the show, or highlights, or what you look forward to hearing. We're, we're always learning. So it, it, it like sure. us. Well, I'm always learning, too, and I learn from you guys. Uh, I've, I'm, a, I'm an educator, and one thing I believe in is understanding and getting to know oppositions of how you think and how, how you were raised or whatever. And, and you guys you guys bring about you know the data. You guys bring about a lot of facts and stats I've never heard of. So I learn from people that are not like me. So that's what you guys provide is I learned so much from you guys. And, and if you can get under Howard's, you know, under Howard's skin a little bit, I really have a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect for you. So. Do you think the show gets too much into data or too much into analytics? We're always trying to balance out the show. Uh, we love feedback, but we try not to dive in too deep on, on some of the numbers and, and whatnot or, or specific plays. Uh, but do you think we keep things fairly balanced? I think it is more balanced now for sure. Absolutely. Okay. I think it's way more balanced. Um, I, you know, I think what you guys do now is you're listening to people, listening to feedback, and, and you guys have a great balance. I mean, that's why I'm continuing. I always, watch, I always listen to the show every Friday. I Any, have to. Anything missing, uh, Mark, that you'd say, gee, I wish they'd talk about that or cover this, anything that jumps out? <sighs> I mean, honestly, not really. Okay. I mean, you guys cover. You guys are covering all the major sports in Philly. I mean, everyone cares about that. Um, I mean, I don't know if you guys cover more college, like Villanova and Temple, LaSalle, Drexel. I don't know if you guys cover that. But, I mean, the four major sports in Philly is what everyone really cares about. We can hit that. Yeah. No, I like that. We can we can talk about some of the major action going on, whether it's Nova basketball, uh, you know, something else. Yeah, no, for sure. We, we can maybe incorporate some of that stuff, too. And uh, so, Mark, let me get your, your opinion here. Since we were just wrapping up the topic of the, on the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, I assume you're a pretty big Phillies fan, naturally, as a listener of the show. And what do you think now? Seven straight wins back in the playoff hunt, maybe? I mean, it, w- I'm going to tell you right, right now, Chad, all the above. I am so excited. I mean, up until I, I looked at the schedule, up until about June 23rd of this month, we should win every game. I mean, if we won the last how many, six or seven, we might as well go 20 0 with Philly Rob because we have, I think we have the, the Marlins, the Nationals, the Diamondbacks, the Texas Rangers. And then I think by June 23rd, we have the Padres, which we could hump be humble quick, especially in San Diego. But I mean, we have a huge chance to make a big run here to get back from the Mets, get in front of the Braves. I mean, I, I think I think everything is working right now, hitting on all cylinders, no pun intended, but I just see a difference right now. I mean, it really was, I guess, Joe Girardi. I mean, I, I hate to say that, to right. pick on some, just one person, but look at the facts here. We won the last how many games? I mean, exactly. there's something to and, be said. And then, there's and something to be said. That That's really what it feels like. I mean, you see the energy yeah. around the clubhouse right now, around the players. It just looks like they're We're having, having a different level of fun. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And but mm-hmm. and this is clearly a, a very pivotal month of June. And you know, why not? Let's go win 20 straight. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? That'd be awesome. Yeah, Get well, all I, over I, the I national. I, I, would be, I would be very excited. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and, and fans would, would come back, back, too. The fans would come yeah. back. Oh, yeah. And yeah. has there ever been a coach or a manager for any Philly sports team 
that in seven days Turned has around. just been absolutely loved like this and just adored in seven days. I mean, I feel like everyone in Philly is just loving this guy and how much, and the energy he's just from the very first thing he spoke. Coach Al, the historian. Here. Well, to quote a song, long, long time ago. Yeah, it hasn't right. been recent. You can bet uh, that. Uh, but it's right. uh, yeah. Everybody it's, seems to love this guy. He's a lifer, and, and I think he's established a little bit different. Definitely personality than Girardi had, and Girardi just seemed to me he lost interest. You know, you see him in the dugout, and he wasn't arguing and backing his players. And I think already you're going to see the difference as far as the rules for the relief pitchers. About you know, if you throw 11 pitches one day and eight the next, you can pitch a third yeah, night if necessary, rather than it being so mechanical. Yeah, body language counts a lot. It certainly does in my business. I mean, we have an executive meeting every week. And our executives come in with the right tone and body language, and it it sets the pace or tone for the meeting. I watched Girardi in these post game uh, press conferences with his you know hands in back of his head, leaning back in the swivel chair. Well, you know, and everything's rounded. All his answers are rounded, not just to protect the players, uh, really to protect himself from what he doesn't, what he can't articulate about the game, he, you know, the fact that he would say, what was that so often? What, Al, what was that? Was that the fit? Al, I could go back to games we coached together 40 years ago and tell you what inning Lisa K got the big double in Allentown. Yeah. I mean, how, how could you just complete a major league baseball game that's paying you three million bucks a year and go, now, who got the double, what inning, stuff like that? Robbie is on top of all the details in the postgame. You know, he goes right to the situation. The other day he explained the, the use of a, a pinch hitter. And he said, well, why didn't you use him in the sixth? He used him in the ninth. Couldn't wait to hear his answer. And he goes, he goes first of all, acknowledges the question. Says, That's a great question. He goes, we talked about it in the dugout, and we thought that he may come up in the ninth in a, in a more viable situation than the sixth was with nobody on. So even it, even though it looked like we should use that bat in the six, we guessed, we rolled the dice, that in the ninth he could come up in a, in a better situation, meaning, you know, men on base, stuff like that, in, in a strategic spot. And he did, got the hit, and he gives us the whole train of thought. You never got that from Girardi at all. He just either didn't know it, wasn't processing it during the game, or couldn't communicate it. You know, and I think as as a good manager, at any level, you have to be a great communicator. And uh, we we know in New York that that Girardi lacked that too. Yeah, no, yeah. he did. And my my question. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Mark. It's all you. Yeah, my my. I just had a couple of questions. My question for you guys. Excuse me if you've already said this. I, I haven't heard the thing yet. But does this 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 new manager remind you of anyone else? in the league that was successful as a manager just a mannerism personality you know he looks like a lot of people i know uh, <laughs> yeah i know there's nothing flashy yeah i don't mean that in a, in a bad way but <laughs> yeah, look, he looks mean. like a lot of guys i know uh i love him i, I loved him before I, th I thought he was passed over some job for some jobs that maybe they thought he wasn't quite dynamic enough stuff like that you know sometimes appearance and everything or you're branded with the yankees therefore you're better and all that but that's a good question. I can, n nobody uh, jumps out. Well, um, he's been a lifer. You wonder why he was passed over so many times. And now you've got you your third base coach, Dusty Waltham, who, yeah, yeah. who's all these fellows that came up through the system. He's known them on a 
first name basis, and they all have confidence in him. So until you had Thompson with this thing, I, I thought Waltham might have been a candidate to take over. But you know, when you stay in the systems, a lot of times you want to get out of the system where you don't know everybody. So and it's sometimes a, it's th- their Major League Baseball is upheld. Uh, for example, Sandberg was passed over for a lot of years that he was going to get a Hall of Fame second baseman, and he was uh, – worshipped everywhere he went and he's down in the minors for seven or ten years and people are saying why can't he get an opportunity <laughs> well as soon as he came up with the Phillies we found out real fast why he didn't yeah, we get found an opportunity out. man he was absolutely <laughs> brutal yeah I think it yeah. goes back to Mark too that a lot of your ma- major league managers were catchers or second string players that yeah. sat on benches yeah. next to managers and picked the up their things that way, and and catchers really do know baseball probably as good as yeah. you know any other fielding position, and uh, I think sure. with this Thompson, you know, it's it's the type of guy that has done that and earned his stripes for lack of better words, and right, and the way he's going now, I don't think uh, there's any reason to make any th- even be thinking of any changes yet. What's interesting is right. the, if you had to describe uh, Girardi's shortcomings uh, as a Yankees manager. The one word that would jump out was rigid, and the one word they're using here was rigid too. You know, so sometimes things don't change. You know, they are now as they were then, um, and uh, I don't see a warm kind of manager. I don't see a, a great communicator, relaxing players. You want to get players in the mindset where they enjoy the game, and then they start doing better. Then they call it fun because they're winning. You know, the whole thing starts. We, we just have never figured out, the baseball gods, the baseball fans, and the so-called experts have never quite figured out how that translates from the locker with the clubhouse out to the field, sure. you know, but it seems to matter, right, guys? I mean, it seems like... No matter what level, you have to command respect, yeah. and you can have a great... Oh, uh, he did this with the team before and all that thing, but until he comes to your team here and you, and you, everybody figures him out, you're not going to please everybody because yeah. there's a lot of prima donnas, yeah. you know. And any time yeah. where you got a manager making five million and your players are making twenty, thirty, forty million, it's yeah. you know, it's a tough situation. But I think this guy's got a great start on it. So, Mark, what was your sport? Uh, high school or college? What did you do, buddy? Oh, so when I was growing up, I was three three sport athlete. In the fall, I uh, played football. In high school, in the winter, I wrestled. And then summertime, or excuse me, springtime, I played baseball. And then in college, I played outside linebacker. And um, it was Division two, so I was able to play multiple sports and not have it conflict so much. So I also wrestled, too. And just for fun, because I was a maniac and needed to continuously move my attention, um, I, I tried club lacrosse, which I never did until I went to college. And all I did was open lanes and play crease attack and hit people. So it was fun. <laughs> That's great. How, you had success with wrestling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was two-time All-American. Oh, and you throw that wow. in. You kept that. You Mark, know. I have to interrupt you. I'm a wrestling high school, and I okay. watched the NCAA's quarterfinals, oh, semifinals, and then the finals on a Saturday night for years and years. Yep. Where did, you go to, where did you go to school? So I, I played football at Lock Haven, and then Lock when I was Haven, in grad sir. school, when I was, yeah, when I was in grad school, I had some eligibility, so I wrestled. Yeah, Lock Haven has a history uh Springfield, there's a lot of good colleges. Of course, the bigger oh, yeah. ones many years ago where Lehigh was always predominant in Pennsylvania with the yeah. wrestling. Al's not kidding when yeah. he says he's a wrestling junkie. We were at Wegmans the other day in a car alongside Uh-oh. us at a Collingswood 
high school wrestling decal. So the, okay. the gal gets out and I said, listen, I said, do you know Al Harris? And she said, I sure do. He's our biggest <laughs> fan. I said, okay. I said, here you go. And she told me the name of her son. He's 190, Al. He was in the States, and, and I forget who he, he well, was. Well, Mark, you're hearing yeah. about this for the first time yeah. like I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We haven't been hanging out too much. Uh, that's funny. Well, Did you guys, I had a question for you about the analytics side. Um, no. Which, yeah, with Joe Girardi, like a lot of the pundits and analysts, and I'm just going with what they said. I'm really curious about your guys' opinion. Um, they always said Joe's always looking down rather than looking forward. Yeah. Uh, I know they're saying he's always looking at his books, looking at his data. He's not really looking at the field. Now, how do you guys contest a comment like that? Because it, it, I, I almost was compelled by, yeah, like why isn't Joe watching the game more than looking at than just looking at his books all the time? What, what yeah. do you, have you guys ever talked about that or opinion? Or we do indeed, and that's a, that's another great question. We 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 love that question. You know, this the whole analytics thing. Obviously, it's a big part of management, business, baseball, you name it, any other sport, as well as the sports science, you know, how players should be, you know, recovering and what they should eat and drink and, and how much sleep they should get. Right. Uh, Girardi lacked, in my opinion, he lacked balance with what you're seeing on the field and common sense decisions at the moment and the analytics. He relied too much uh, when somebody says that a pitcher shouldn't pitch because he's now been in the rotation, you know, every five games that he needs an extra day with Eflin and he sits him and he says, no, 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 that's the only move. I, I didn't talk to one baseball expert, and I know a few, that endorsed that decision. Not one. Right. Now, they can't all be wrong. You know, I, right. I happen to be blessed to know five or ten. And what did you think? And they're like, that was ridiculous, and they gave me the reasons why, which I concurred with. That's just one example where I thought Girardi was letting the structure dictate the substance. Use okay. the, use the Great analytics. Great point. You, if I'm running a baseball team, I better have those analytics, okay? Right, But there's right. going to be a time with this pitcher, and that's third baseman, where I think my three-hitter can put a bunt down to win the game. Now, I don't want my three-hitter bunt. You know, other teams love if you're 300 bunts because you want a home run. But there may be a time where I'm going to sneak that bunt in because it's, it's the window's open. I don't care how many windows were open for Girardi. He never seized that opportunity. It was always by the book analytics, you know. So he, I just think he abused it. I don't think he balanced it. But I'd like to hear from from. Uh, well, I I I will I will touch on this, but I will also say that later in the show, uh, our last topic of the day, I'm going to really hit on this too. So I want to save some of that okay. uh, for okay. something Tony Larusa did yesterday, which was just just insane. But I I will say yeah, I that. When it comes to, to the, the – I mean, it's certainly a balancing act. I think it's what we talked about with, with Bo last week where a lot of managers, they just – there's so much data, it's really easy to get paralyzed and not make decisions on this. And I think that's what we saw with Girardi. I mean, you it's it really comes down to a 50-50. You have to have the data, but then the other half of your time has to be spent watching the game, seeing the nuances, and getting a feel for it because just as much as it's a data-driven game, it's also mental. And you have to see how someone's feeling today. You can't just go strictly based on the data and say, okay, yeah, yeah, no, he's going to maybe get out this time. Or it just doesn't make sense. There's so much misinterpretation of the data, and that's what I'm going to touch on later. 
that it, it, it has to be more balanced where I think Girardi was just constantly just obsessed with it. At least that's how it appeared as how, how kind of how, how his appearance was to the fans. I think I think the word obsessed is the key word. I think you're right, 100 percent right about obsessed. That's a great word. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's going to be able to differentiate between Nola having to come out at 96 pitches versus if you put him back in the eighth inning and watched him closely and give him the, maybe the first or second batter, but it takes 12 more. So he knows that 96 versus 108. Is, is is the difference between Noel's health. It's it, it got ridiculous where he could have won a game because, you know, heretofore you didn't want the Phillies bullpen in the game any sooner than they should be. So if you could get that extra inning from your starter who's pitching effectively, that's one less inning you have to rely on a bullpen that, that wasn't effective. So that, you know, the game's in the balance there. And he'd go by the book, pull the starter, you know, low pitch count and watch the bullpen blow the game so many times. Al? Well, yesterday you had 400 pitches, which is the longest for a nine-inning game in the majors this year. But sometimes there's umpires back that are really squeezing it. There were so many three-ball counts yesterday, three and two counts. And then the pitcher from the Brewers, the Burns, He's 21.3 seconds between each pitch. Oh and between that, and Eflin wasn't real sharp going to a lot of three. It's a tough game to watch for four hours. Yeah, just last quick question. One thing I've noticed, too, like, I mean, bullpen, bull, our bullpen's been a problem, you know, for a long time. And, and I always I always check MLB trade rumors on Twitter, like, every day, almost a lot of times all day. And I always see other teams claiming guys. Yeah, is, is there a reason why the Phillies never seem to claim anybody? <laughs> I, I, I think we are the least claiming team yeah, in baseball. We talk about that so much. I say, well, Drives me air. nuts. Take like a chance. Take a chance. We do. We talk about that a lot. Me uh, too. I talk to my dad about that. Drives me nuts. And it, 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 it's analogous a little bit to how the front office uh, has drafted. Uh, or if you want to get away from the drafting uh, debate, how about player development? What's always bothered me is that the Phillies haven't seemed to draft or develop. Who's the guy that was the six-round pick that came out of the Phillies uh, minors and did really well in the majors because they developed his talent? You see that commonly with other major league franchises. It doesn't seem to happen too often with the Phillies. So, you, you, you know, the, the whole front office operation from how they develop, how they draft, things that they do with Rule 5 players, and they've had a couple successful Rule 5 players, but it's been lacking, which is why they cleaned house. Uh, and they've, they've put people in positions, and it's going to take time to, to restock the, the miners um, and, and get things on the right track. And, and so, in the meanwhile, do you – when the trade deadline comes, do you, do you sell? Do, do you know what do you do here? I mean, it's it's a different decision now than it was just seven days ago, right? You and, know? To, and to get into number one picks, number one picks. It's sad when you can remember the number one picks that didn't make it, rather than <laughs> opposed to number one picks right. that did. <laughs> right. Well, they even said they even said two three, two three weeks ago, whenever they were struggling, that Dombrowski's like, "We're going to be buyers." I, I mean, I, I didn't chuckle because I'm like, it is a long season. It's a marathon. Anything can happen, and look what happened the last week. So Yeah, you know, it's funny. It looked like it was going in a direction. I was on the radio saying that they, they, they should blow it up and, and keep, a, keep a couple key components built around. 
but I'll ostensibly blow it up. And seven days later, that looks dead wrong. It's a 180. But you had to go out and win seven straight games. And you had to beat, you know, the Angels' record was good. Milwaukee's record was good at home. And you had to go sweep all that. And they did. And now it looks like a team that's built to win. They have the softer schedule. So you're not thinking blow the team up right now. Although yeah, right. Not positive. That's not yeah, your decision doing. you had for Memorial Day has now been switched to July 4th. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, well, yeah. I'm just hoping we don't play to the ability of the lesser teams like we always do. Yeah, we play do down to them, yeah. yeah. We do that. I, I, hate, I, I don't understand why that is. If you dominate, I mean, you dominate, just in wrestling, Coach Alec, the whole reason with the Brands Brothers in Iowa, all you do is dominate, always dominate. I don't care who it is, you dominate. That's just at the tone. I don't understand. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Mark. You have passed the entrance exam to this podcast show. So anytime you want to come oh, thank you. one of the chairs, buddy, you were, you were invited. That's a long drive, though. <laughs> and, Mark, I want to leave you with two words, okay? Yes, sir. Dan Gable and Gable Stevenson. <laughs> and the next thing we'll have is Stevenson something, right? Gable got Stevenson right. something. Stevenson <laughs> something. <laughs> now, well, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Mark. It was awesome having you on the show. And, uh, thank you, you know, for inviting me. We've got a couple me. extra topics we're going to talk about here today, so please check them out. And uh, you know, thank you again. And Mark, let's do this again real soon, buddy. Absolutely, please. Anytime. You guys have a great weekend. Thanks, Appreciate it, Mark. Thanks, thanks. thanks for playing ball today, buddy. Bye-bye. See you, guys. Good guy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Very well-informed. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Al's pointing to a seat at the board. We got an open seat. We have an open seat. Yeah. <laughs> we just got Recently it got an open mic. Yeah, so let's yeah, do it. Because in this day and age, you call it remote. You don't have to no, have that's your, true. your seat in a leather chair, right? Yeah. yeah so. All right. Well, um, we got a couple topics to get through here today. The first Crazy topic hot being topic. the bizarre walk-off, right? It was just four batters hitting a row, which was unprecedented. Yeah, it was a double-A team, <laughs> Brewers versus Marlins. <laughs> there was four consecutive hit batters for a walk-off. It's worth checking out. Yeah, check it yeah, out. Anybody, um, anybody could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so looking at the next topic here, this is a big one. Something we don't talk about a lot, but the uh, world of golf. Something very uh, now important to, to Al, myself, personally. Uh, recently, some big-name golfers like Dustin Johnson, they've actually quit their PGA membership to play in the Saudi League, which is called the LIV. Now, golfers that join the LIV, they, they have large guaranteed contracts. That keyword is guaranteed. So, whereas the PGA players, they have to earn any non-sponsored money. So, if a player like Dustin Johnson, before he left the PGA, if he misses the cut, he's not getting any money from the prize pool. Well, now the LIV comes in and says, hey, here's a, here's a multi, you know, $10 million plus million dollar contract. Will you join us? And, yeah, absolutely he will. So, it's going to have really big, interesting implications down the line because while, while currently no major championships are blocking access for the LIV golfers, it seems like that's going to change i mean coach al what do you have on this this is something very very dear to you well, first of all the one big name behind it was greg norman who you know the, the shark and he great golf <clears throat> great golfer all those years <clears throat> and he is recruited for lack of better words now dustin johnson is getting between 100 and 150 million dollars to join that wow. tour phil mickelson they're saying might be between 150 and 200 million they're having, they're playing a 54-hole tournament right now. Now, all 17 players from the PGA Tour have been banned by Commissioner Monaghan. Now, here's a couple little things in here. One, it doesn't affect all the majors. The majors, like the U.S. Open, they'll all be eligible to play in that because the PGA does not govern 
those op the open and the masters and that type of stuff. So that's a little interesting that way. And the, lo the lowest, I think there's 38 players or something. The lowest guy this year finishes last this week over there in Saudi Arabia will get $181,000. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, here's yeah. the big thing that's going to be a topic. There's going to be lawsuits. But all of a sudden the word's coming out. It's being financed by the Saudis. And the words are coming up of terrorist funding. Now, that gets pretty heavy and so forth, but that's going to be a topic yeah. involved with this golf. Look, it's yeah. it's certainly a real concern and, and something that it's going to have major implications on the game of golf over the next few months, maybe even the coming years. Because, I mean, just yesterday, Phil Mickelson, Garcia, a couple other guys who did this, they're now suspended from the PGA Tour. Not necessarily the major championships, but the PGA Tour. Um, so the PGA is firing back, and it's not very good for the inclusivity around golf of maybe getting players to play in different areas, stuff like that. Um, hey, so we'll, no, we'll see. we got to get the dictionary up. As of right now, seriously, they are suspended now. Monaghan has suspended yeah. them the mm -hmm. last day or so. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. Golf needs the Tiger Woods, right? Oh, it, definitely. It, it's a whole different deal when he's not the tournament. I mean, yeah, and, and Tiger's input on this was he says, I believe in legacies, I believe in majors, I believe in big events. Uh, essentially, he turned down the LIV, which he was probably, I think he was offered high nine figures, which is yes. just, just Well, Tiger's insane. favorite course, he said for many years, is playing the British Open yeah. over there in St. Andrews and that type of thing, which is a much flatter walk than the United States courses. So with his leg problems and this and that, that's what he's pointing towards. Yeah. All right. So moving on here, uh, just uh, we got another quick topic before we move on to some other good ones. We have the Phillies and Josh Hader. This is something definitely worth mentioning. Josh Hader is... Without a doubt, the best closer in baseball right now. But he just got beat for, by, by the Phillies for the first blown save and loss of the year for him. Now, going into this Phillies game, Hayter had a streak of 40 scoreless innings. The last time he gave up a run before the Phillies game was July 28th of 2021. And this guy is lights out. He is unbelievable. Yet the Phillies come in and beat him. It's just a quick note for how impressive the Phillies run has been here. I mean, yeah, they, it may have been some weaker teams, but Josh Hader, there is Nothing no weak. one better in baseball or tougher in baseball to face than this guy. He is absolutely filthy. Yeah, that's the crowding moment, no doubt about it. Even though he blew those that game, I'm sure out in Milwaukee there are no Hader haters. No, Sorry about that. Yeah, Al's been waiting all week. Yeah, Al's yeah, yeah, been gearing up for that one. I yeah. like it. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> moving on here. Well, what, what an accomplishment, man. You talk about you know, two unsuspecting players to do that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. And why he didn't stick with his fastball. And both one with two strikes, yeah. I believe. <laughs> impressive. There's no yeah. way I'm throwing any but the heat to the second one. So the Yankees recently, they were skeptical at first, but now they're fully embracing the technology called PitchCom. It's a new system, you may have heard of it, that allows catchers to send an audible message to the pitcher through a mic in their hat about the next pitch. The catcher presses a button either on, I think, their wrist or their shin guards, and it says, hey, fastball, location, things like that. I think it's wrist. Yeah, yeah it can also be on the shin guards shin and, too. Pretty cool technology. Um, the system was designed to, as it, you would think, reduce sign stealing, and it appears that many teams love it, as at least one pitcher on every team is using it, and it's also shown improvements in pace of play. Uh, it's developed over the past two years in testing, really, and now allows for location and base running alerts. So it really just makes the catcher that all important like field general really even more a critical role for him as they can relay that message to the pitcher just press the button get the guy picked off something like that 
But the poor, important point is here is that it's lowering the, the, the pace of play. If anything that baseball can do right now to get the duration down, I think that's really critical. And this is something that's clearly doing it. As a lot of times, as the pitchers get the ball back, they already know what the next pitch is, is going to be. Yeah, increasing pace. Increasing the, the pace. Yes, I'm sorry. Pace. Increasing yeah. the pace, reducing the duration. Yeah, yes. what I don't like about it, I'm all for everything you mentioned, uh, but what, what I don't like about it is it being used for pickoffs. Boy, that, that's what the use of technology, in my opinion, uh, and I know it's perfectly legal because the other team has the f- same opportunity, but, uh, you know, to buzz my pitcher when it's right to throw over to first. Uh, boy. But catchers were already doing that. They would, I, I've yeah, played with catchers signaling. who would drop the glove, and that, that would be the signal to pick a guy I did, off. I, I did say they weren't. It's just the same thing, though. Well, one's a button, one's, one's a know, glove. A glove. Yeah. Next thing you know, not in my lifetime, but there'll be a robot out there. There will. Now. There <laughs> definitely I mean, will. You could have said, and I know it's a little bit more far flung, but you could have said, you know, one is stealing signals by examining the dugout with great scrutiny. The other one is, is stealing signals illegally, but they're all doing it. You know, in this case, with the use of technology, it's not illegal, but I just don't like that the game is moving towards some technology on the field being used incorporated you know with with the, the critical decisions and whatnot I, you're Sorry, I'm, I'm guessing you're not a fan of robo umps then no we got to get it right i'm seeing too many pitches missed yeah okay. contradiction yeah. listen not everything's a straight line there's no, going to be contradictions no, so fine. is life yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we yeah. got uh, yeah. a. It's a. It's a. It's a fun thing to check out. You can check out the technology. Really cool guys who created. Yeah, but it. Uh, uh, Boone loves it, and Yankees yep. love it. And look what's happened with the pitching staff, which I think is our next topic. We've got well, we actually have one on Mike Trout here. Oh no, we can go to the Yankees let's pitching. Get, let's yeah, stay we can, hot. Yeah, stay let's with stay the Yankees. Yankee hot. Yankees yeah. recently were on a very nice winning streak. It was a six-game span of forty-two point one innings pitched by their starters, and get this: only four runs allowed by their starters. That's an ERA of 0.85. I mean, talk about a hot streak. Their team ERA over the span was 1.15. And shockingly enough, this only ranks 27th best ERA over a six-game span since 2019. I thought it'd be like all time. Yeah. Absolutely. The Brewers have the best six-game span since 2019 with a 0.49 ERA from September 7th of 21. Uh, to September 14th, but like I thought it'd be better than that. I guess it shows how many teams get hot over six games. Evidently. So when I looked at this, I thought, oh, maybe the sample size isn't big enough. Let's go bigger. So since 1950, this is kind of fun, the best six-game span of the lowest ERA was the 1969 Mets. They allowed one earned run over 56 innings from September 22nd That's, to September 28th, 1969. I, I know he's right. One earned run. Yeah, are you Seder kidding me? I'll, I'll call it bullshit. It can't be true, but I know it's true. <laughs> I'm still call it bullshit. It's and and this, this one is just as good, too, here. The best 16-game six, span, because that's that's about 10% of the season in MLB history. And, yeah, this team did win the World Series this year. It was the 1965 Dodgers, Dodgers an yeah. ERA of 0.85 from September 16th to October 3rd. And who was the third starter, Al? That's uh, the one you got to get. Was Billy Lowe's with them then? Uh, I'm just uh, off the top should, of my we, brain. We, I don't we, know. We, and we, uh, we how about – is that – oh, that's after Carl yeah, Erskine. Yeah, we yeah, should so. have the third starter. I mean, I think I could name the lineup, but not the third starter. Uh yeah, I mean, it, I watched a few of those games. They were perfect games into the eighth. Next day, perfect game into the ninth. How often do you see that happen? And then the following day, 
a hit in the first inning and then a no-hitter. <laughs> so three games, you're almost watching three no-hitter or perfect games in a row. That's bizarre. Yeah, very bizarre. And, and, un- and unheard of, really. But and and the, the third game I'm talking about, the, the hit early was Cabrera. Hit a seed at the Yankees shortstop, the guy they picked up on the offseason. Uh, and it was 111-mile exit oh, speed. Wow. And it just completely turned right into him to his face. He put his glove up to shield his Protection, face. Yeah. So they asked him after the game, like, should that have been ruled an error, you know, because of the hitter. And he said, that would have broke my face if I didn't, you know, get the, <laughs> and when they showed how hard, they saw the play, and the ball is absolutely just smoked, you know. But still probably catchable by a lot of modern shortstops. Well, well, we got two topics left here today. We're going to go a little bit on Mike Trout, as we alluded to earlier. Pay now, attention his here. His career numbers, they're obviously fantastic. I don't even need to go into his career numbers. He's one of the best players of all time. But how does Trout do under pressure? Well, he's a career 300 hitter, right? Well, over... So over his career, with two outs and runners in scoring position, his batting average goes from 300, normally, to down to 263. You should be hitting uh, one of our symbols on the box there after you say that. Don't we have a doink uh, symbol or something should like that? Be. There's our symbol. Uh, so again, he's a career 300 average, but late and close, another you know clutch statistic you can look at, he's down to 250. So he has a couple different areas where he's gone from a 300 career average down to 260 or 250 on some of these clutch stats. How's he doing Pennsylvania or Philly? Well, before we even get to there, I want to do one more thing on this. From 1970 to 2022, looking at two outs and runners in scoring position, what's I wanted to see what's the highest batting average. Who's the most clutch hitter? And I did a minimum 500 plate appearances. I love this. Well, this isn't going to shock anyone, but it's Freddie Freeman. He has a career 321 average with two outs and runners in scoring position. Right, that now, Trout me. ranks 243rd on Seriously? that list. Seriously, that's good yep, From 1970 man. to 2022, minimum 500 plate appearances, two outs, runners in scoring position. Trout's ranked 243rd. There hey, it is. Al, respond to that, bud. I'll respond. I'm looking at the ones after that where you're going to respond yourself. Yeah, other notable hitters who have been very clutch from this same data point. Nolan Arenado, who's 318, that's fourth. Paul Goldschmidt, our own John Cruck, who's 309, and then Bobby Abreu. Yes! God damn, yeah. Bobby Abreu, 301 yeah. average, which is 20th yeah. from this uh, 50-year span here. Yeah. For, I wouldn't have stole that from you, pal. No, yeah, of course. For, for all you slightly, and I love our listeners, I love our fans, and I'm not going to insult anybody, but for some of you that don't quite get behind Bobby Abreu, there you go. Great player, should be in the Hall, 64 war. I could go on and on and on. We'll have a show someday just on Bobby Abreu. But it's funny because when great statistical achieved baseball things come up, topics come up, Abreu's always in the conversation. If it's batting average, if it's on base percentage, 400 for his career. If it's career doubles, stolen bases, 400. You know, uh, times on base, 4,016, which is 16th. He always comes up in a conversation. But then they say he didn't run into outfield walls. Because he did run into outfield walls, he played 162 games a year for five years in a row and therefore put up the best Phillies numbers, only second to Mike Schmidt, and it is a neck-and-neck with Schmidt. Like I said, a topic for another day. Yep. Thank you, Chad, for that. Fascinating. Really it was that. a fascinating find, and clearly Abreu, uh, just looking at this, it, was a very, much, very clutch Much hitter. better clutch hitter than Mike Trout. Let's put the facts on the table. Yeah, as a, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And do, do we find out maybe why Trout doesn't want to play home, Al? Well, this is interesting. 
uh, we don't want to make more of this than Sample there is, size, but it's it's right? it's interesting. Trout versus the Phillies lifetime, 43 plate appearances. His batting average is 184. Making matters worse, at Citizens Bank Park, Tr- Trout's career average is 100 through 22 plate appearances. Wow. Now expand it out a bit to uh, you know, a little more of Pennsylvania. Trout versus Pittsburgh lifetime, 42 plate appearances. He's hitting 121. It's kind of getting ridiculous. So, it's almost like we're making this crap up, and I swear to you people, we're not. No, he's just shy of 100 plate appearances in, in, in Pennsylvania, and he's a, like, 140-60 hitter. No, one, about a 160 what hitter I like to do, what, what I like to do, Bud, Al, when I don't get enough sample size, I always say to people, well, then try to rearrange the aggregate. So I would ask the question this way. If somebody told you that Trout's latent close batting averages, okay, uh, and the other one was tied games late. You had late and close, two outs runners in scoring position, right? And the Phillies and Pittsburgh was below 200. Would you ever have believed them? Batting average? No. Yeah. But his late and close is high enough to keep it up there. Uh, slightly above them because you're going to get probably yanked down by Phillies. Probably well, well but it's only 80 plate appearances. Yeah, no, 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 no. I still said what it was. What's, what was the Phillies batting average? 180. And what was Pittsburgh? 120. I'm just talking batting averages now, okay? And what and what was late and close? 250. Okay. And what was the uh, runner's 263. Yeah, 260. close. Okay, so even even if it's 220, would you have ever believed it, right? Probably not, no. But, yeah, probably not. And we know that we know the sample size, you know, obviously isn't huge. Nevertheless, food for thought, something to think about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, speaking of sample size, we got one really, really interesting topic, very personal to me at least, that happened yesterday. Very controversial call by, uh, once again, very controversial manager, Tony La Russa. Here's the situation. It happened yesterday, which was Thursday. White Sox were playing the Dodgers. White Sox were down 6-5. to five. In the sixth inning, when a man comes up, uh, when Freddie Freeman comes up, and of course it's an RBI single. Now, we just talked about uh, you know runners in scoring position stats, and here we talk about Freddie Freeman knocking a guy in. Shocker there. So now it's 6-5. to five. The White Sox are losing. Freddie Freeman's on first. There's an 0-2 count to Trey Turner. The next pitch is bounced. So Freddie Freeman takes second, and the count's now 1-2. and two. First base is open. La Russa says, yeah, let's walk Trey Turner with a 1-2 count. So he walks him intentionally. He didn't force a walk, like like in terms of pitch around him. He nope, intentionally nope. walked him. Put him on. He then faces Max Muncy, who proceeds to hit a three-run dinger. And when I asked about the decision, this is what Larusa had to say: Do you know what Turner hits against left-handed pitching with 0-1 or two strikes? Uh, first off, 0-1 is not even relevant. That wasn't the count. Uh, do you know what Muncy hits with two strikes against a left-handed pitcher? Again, not relevant. Muncy wasn't even up at the plate yet, so you can't assume he gets two strikes. Is that really a question? We had an open base, and Muncy happened to be the guy behind him, and that's a better matchup. Uh, well, it turns out, LaRusso, we do have the data because that's all I do. Uh, so this is a really weird application oh, somebody ate his of data, <laughs> and it's definitely in a bad way, and here's why. Um, this is why Tony LaRusso needs to go. I mean, he is just Ooh, so, so washed up. He doesn't know what he – he's not washed up isn't the term. Just so outdated, Gabe, I guess. Gabe, Gabe has passed him. All right, Trey Turner has two – career plate appearances facing a lefty where the plate appearance ended on a 1-2 count. And what I mean by ended means on a 1-2 count facing a lefty, Turner put the ball in play. play. On both of those instances, Turner hit home runs. The first was July 5th, 2018 against Miami. 
and the other August 10th, 2020 against the Mets. So just based on those two plate appearances, on a 1-2 count, LaRusa said, let's walk him. The larger data set says Trey Turner has a career average of 197 on 1-2 counts, which is a sample of 450 plate appearances, and a career average of 227 after the, the, the count becomes 1-2. and two. And that's a sample of 940 plate appearances. In other words, there's a roughly 80% chance Turner is getting out here, and we're looking at a sample size to back that up over four, about 1,400 plate appearances. Meanwhile, LaRusa takes two plate appearances and says, oh my god, he's totally going to hit a home run again because he did the other two. Let me walk him. Well, if he was that concerned, he could have just thrown a ball in the dirt <laughs> and uh, maybe not intentionally walk the guy. And then when he says talks about Muncie, uh, this is why LaRusa is so bad. He says... Do you know what Muncie hits with two strikes? Well, Muncie comes up with an 0-0 count, and he has a career 253 against lefties, notably better than either of the stats that Turner has. Yet, clueless LaRussa says, what's he hit with two strikes? Well, you know what, LaRussa, if you get him with two strikes, maybe that makes sense, but you're not just, you can't just assume you're going to get this guy with two strikes. It doesn't make any sense. So LaRussa went with a sample size of two plate appearances where Turner did well, rather than the nearly 1,400 plate appearances where Turner didn't do well to make this decision. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, it's not rocket science. Larusa is clueless. He absolutely needs to go, and he, I mean, he can't say he cost him. He probably cost him the game. Yeah, you don't know because they were losing anyway. But he didn't make it any easier for them. Great stats. He left Good out work. one thing. Good work. We're going to take a collection up for a rocking chair for Mr. Larusa because yeah. I think he's his buddy, earned it. Well, his absolutely. buddy Madden was out in Girardi. So the, the, yeah. the old regard. Uh, and, uh, Don't mess with the boys. Yeah, I'm going to just throw one thing in today. I want to run today with an unedited show. I really do. Uh, I think it's been very humanistic. There's been some things. I've had to clear my throat a few times. But I, I, I like the way it went. Uh, Bud, that's good work. Uh, that, that's mesmerizing stuff. And, uh, you know, anytime you have a batter with two strikes, you take a look at Anybody take a look at what Ted Williams hit with two strikes? I think it's two eleven. Sure, by the next show, Chad will have that number. Yeah, that's that's a tough one, and it did work out so well. Uh, hard to push back. It's great it's, research. It's a it's a really good example of what we talked about with Bo last week. Of people are going to blame the analytics in here, but I'm telling you, and I just showed you you to all the listeners why the data, why the analytics says. No, pitch to Trey Turner. I mean, A, first off, it's not even a hard question. The guy's got two strikes. You never give up in that bat with two strikes and one ball. Maybe if it's 3-2, you want to throw him a ball outside, go for it. Maybe he'll chase. One, two count. This, this shouldn't even be a question. This is so common sense. But LaRussa takes these two plate appearances and then, like, extrapolates them out like it's going to be the norm now and that Trey Turner can't get out with a lefty on a one-two count. I mean, just uh, absurd. And people blame analytics, but it's not – analytics fault it's LaRusso's fault for not being capable of knowing yeah, that two yeah. plate appearances isn't a, isn't the, the sample white, size to look at let's talk about one more element of this decision the White House the White House the White Sox are really struggled this year what do you think that did to the pitcher his own pitcher what do you think it did oh to the furious okay. furious he's what an made, insult he's made other decisions by the way that the players have really taken very personal as the wrong decision happened last year we won't go into it right now but he doesn't do anything to help the pitcher's mentality, the clubhouse temperament, when you got a guy 1-2 and you say, no, put, put him on because you can't get him out 1-2. Heck, Al, I'd still give the ball to you 1-2, and I think you got a fighting chance, you know? If I can throw a left chance. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, no, you, and you make a good point. 
you've got to lose a respect not only the pitcher of your team and they got they got to be thinking in the back of their mind I think your time's up uh, boss uh, you yeah. know uh, yeah I would kill to have an interview with Larusa where he would actually respond and and pick his brain about why he made this decision because the data doesn't so. make sense I will sense. promise you this I will personally get Larusa on our show I can't guarantee it for next week because you're going to have to go through the agent and an agent's agent and somebody below that administrator and they're going to give us a fee I'll pay it I want Tony LaRusso against the WizKid, Al. What do you think? Future show? Get him on? I go with youth in this discussion. <laughs> and there's no... It didn't take Wiz, me a half a second. Are, you, are you up for it if we get him on for 15 minutes? Am I up for it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you're giving me a slam dunk here. This one's not even up, uh, not even debatable. You know, we're crazy the if wrong we don't decision. get that segment out. The MLB today, and Jim Rowe, and a couple other sports shows. We ought to get that last take that Chad did. Uh, that's fantastic stuff. Yeah, anyway, was that I'm your rant? Was that your rant, will by be. The I'm going to just call him Clueless LaRusa from now well, on. Well, be prepared for him is. to tell you about his great career and everything yeah, before yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Now, if I get this guy on the show, which is going to be very improbable, very hard to do, but I'm going to really, really try. You know what that means now. You've seen me before when I really try, right? If I can get LaRusa's agent to say he'll come on the show for 10 minutes, hmm. oh, my Lord. Man, you'll All right, let's wrap that. up. That'll be my rant in the That's last topic rant. combination. So, uh, chucking out whatever you want to start, feel feel free. Al, the uh, floor is yours, buddy. Well, we didn't talk anything about the Eagles, per se, whatever. But As a rant? Yeah, yeah you know, a rant. And I think... Too many people are worried about. Oh, he's dealt. He's not making the, all the plays. Call himself. He has other oh, people. Yeah, That's yeah. been going on forever. Yes. You and you, you, you know, you designate so many plays beforehand and this and that to use in certain situations. So that's. Just worry about that. All the reports are glowing. That Hertz has improved his release, getting rid of the ball quicker. He looks more muscular. Yet he still weighs 220. So he's a. He's really put his time in. And now we have the tools around him, and let's see how it plays out. And the greatest thing to look at down the road is if he works out, it's a plus-plus because then you got the two number ones next year and don't have to worry about a quarterback. And that's being very positive, but I'm trying to be positive because I, I think he's going to be a good player. Nicely stated. Uh, half a rant. Is there such a thing as half a rant? Can I sure. That? Just, yeah, listen, uh, uh, very excited about the Phillies' progress this week. Remarkable! It's great, sensational. Just a word of caution to Philly fans not to overreact. This is a team that could almost come into town with the circus, and their third ring would be: we're going to show you how we play 500 ball. Now, the Wiz kid and his stats. I'm not going to try to top that. I'll just say that the Phillies are 320 and 320 in the last 640 games, give or take. I didn't actually look it up. They are a 500 team per se. And when they fell 7 or 10 below, sure enough, they levitated right back to 500. It's remarkable. They don't get too far above it, even when they should. They don't get too far below it when they should, like the last 33-game schedule, which they played above 500. Remarkable. Regardless of what they do and who they are and what their identity is, this team seems to have a 500 culture that you can't explain, rationalize, or change with GMs, different players, managers. It just seems to want to play 
500 ball. So just be warned, Phillies fans, and yes, we're playing the easy schedule now and all that, but just understand that this team for four years, five years now, is just begging to be a 500 team. Let's assume, let's just hope that they're ready to change that. That's my rule. It's ironic. I'm sitting with a good buddy of mine watching the game. It was 9-7, to seven, and two or three innings before that, I said, Garrett, this is what they're advertised to do, be a win games 9-7 to because they're not going to be too strong pitching-wise and defensive-wise. And he looked at me half an hour later and said, well, I said, that's what their advertised are, and that's what you got. Yeah. It's remarkable. I will say this. If they do win, uh, whiz, do the fans come back? Oh, for sure. They do, Al. Fans come oh, yeah, back. yeah. No, no other game in town. Yeah, yeah. everybody uh, out there asking and whatnot, stop the criticism about let they lack fan support. As soon as they show they're not a 500 team, which has been four years, the fans will come back. You'll have 40,000 in the ballpark, and they'll average low 30s, mid 30s, something like that. They won't sell out the joint nut yet, but the fans will come back. There's a bunch of Philly fans in call. Everybody loves a winner. They love yep. it, yeah. Uh, All other right. thing is, if you want to get a hold of me, that's how it started with Mark, our super fan, 609-828-5569. I'll take your call. I'll take your text. I'll get back to you. Love to have you call in. Love to have you come into the show. Uh, whatever you got, feedback. We love your feedback. We want to make it a better product. We want you to tell us what we should be doing differently. That's what we're looking for here. Yeah, no, last but not least, uh, again, this is Speaking of Sports Podcast, so you can find us at speakingofsportspod.com. Our Twitter handle is speak underscore of underscore sports or just Speaking of Sports Podcast. And then our email, speakingofsportspod at gmail.com. Does LaRusa accept? Bud? No. No, not a chance. No. Not a chance. No. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for a great show here today. Hope everyone has a good weekend if you're listening on this marvelous Friday, and uh, have a good day.